Where's my sister? I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. And now it begins. No. Now it ends. Our watch of the third episode has ended. <laughs> All these watches ended. Um, it's over. <laughs> On to greener pastures, literally. Or nothing. At know. all. <laughs> How do you feel, though? I mean, your hashtag was ripped apart. You know, I honestly feel a little upset about it. Micah, you wasted no time in changing the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Micah immediately changed the hashtag. <laughs> He's like, you know, it was this all along, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Thanks to everyone for joining us. Week three, <laughs> season six. It's here. Don't kill Solid 2K16. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so we got a lot to unload. We're recording right after the episode is aired. Guys, remember the Tower of Joy? The Loki yeah. Tower of Joy. Uh-huh. Can I tell you that pretty much after the Tower of Joy, I just stopped paying attention to the rest of the episode? I would say I would counter that by saying that after the Tower of Joy, it was very easy to, to just tune out the rest of the episode. <laughs> like, I just uh, wanted it to go on the whole time. What's going what's, oh, yeah, what's to top that anyway? I think I think the, I think think the everybody knew it. You kind of just get Tyrion in a room trying to make some games happen, some drinking happen. They aren't having mm-hmm. it. But, it's just but, the green fork. As Yeah, it, as always, like, the stuff in the North, I think, has ruled, has been dominant for a couple weeks now. But, but th- this episode was sort of a nice little bow on that stuff and and not to suggest at all as I think I might have accidentally just done that it's going to be over or coming to a close oh hell no I think it's far from maybe just beginning even first thing I said when I saw that damn tower that beautiful tower with that excellent natural rock formation mm-hmm. So early in the episode, you guys might have felt the same. Everyone listening at home, you might have felt the same. I sort of like reached out to my side, you know, like you're bracing yourself in midair when there's mm-hmm. nothing there to brace. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of happens out of nowhere, though. I mean, one second we're with Sam and Gilly. I was going to say. <laughs> you know, whatever was happening there. And then all of a sudden it's just like, is this it? Is this it? This is it. I think this is it. What better transition to the Tower of Joy than Sam throwing up into a bucket? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's how we all felt. Bummed out they're not stopping in Bravos, but I'm very excited to see one of the most beautiful cities in all of Westeros, Old Town. Yeah. The season's on a good track, guys. I knew going into this episode that we would not be able to top last week's. We have two podcast episodes full of glee and excitement and, uh, for the most part, unbridled joy. But we got the unbridled Tower of Joy, and then uh, I think uh, everyone collectively sort of threw their remotes through the television screen because the Three-Eyed Raven denied us of a- everything that we wanted. I heard Lyanna Stark scream. I know, we were so I heard. close. You know, they didn't need to search anywhere else. The princess was in that castle. Where's my sister? <laughs> it's uh, much like the reaction that I saw. You know, you, you're just basically wanting to put your hand through the TV screen and strangle the Blood Raven and tell him to let Bran go up those steps. He was so close. He was he was so close. It was almost like legitimately like transposing reality. Right. He calls out to Ned. Who the hell was expecting that? Yeah. And then Ned pauses. Who was expecting that? Might have been the wind. Yeah. Right. It probably wasn't the wind. Well, we waited how long? find out so we can wait a couple more weeks right well we we steeled yeah. ourselves i mean you guys were with me on the own episode like we we said to this what if they drag it out what if they yeah cut it in half I what felt if they, like I, in my heart of hearts that that was always gonna happen but i was still disappointed <laughs> we're as prepared as we can be so many of you guys who commented were right mm-hmm. i was wrong oh i was wrong about ollie too me too <laughs> so were you hannah those did not kill ollie know, 2k16 i know it's I over. I feel so sad I'm that it's so over. I'm so glad someone did. I'm so glad someone did. Okay, can we talk about that moment? I know because this is, you know, we've just watched the episode. There's a lot to talk about. But when that came across the screen, um, again, I had kind of a moment. I, I said this out loud. Well, I, I don't think I said it out loud. I thought to myself. I might have said it to strike, but does that really count? I said, uh, <laughs> they, I said, I thought or said, I said, uh, they gave it to us. And made us regret it too. 
it's like the showrunners knew the people making this show knew that the audience wanted to see ollie pay it's been one of the the, the more dominant memes over the past year is okay ollie's got to pay for what he's done right mm-hmm. and then when we finally get it it's like shit bittersweet you know like way to make us feel bad for what we you wish felt for bad? i Look definitely at Ollie's did little, if you saw his face like he was just to the end. He almost spit on. His last words were like, I'm almost spitting on Jon Snow again. I know, That's... he's sneering for sure, just like looking at him. And you, to your point, looking at Jon's face makes you feel a little sad. But Ollie just didn't care. So good riddance. Jon thought about it too. I mean, he definitely had a moment of consideration as to whether or not he was going to cut Ollie free. I really felt mm-hmm. that when I was watching that scene. And I, I, Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't have been surprised, honestly, if he did, but I think the end of this episode in particular just speaks to where he is at and where he is going to. He's done with the Night's Watch. And when, and I'm so thrilled that that was something huge. that we could kind of almost see coming too. I mean, in terms of we knew and have said before on the show, and I'm sure it's been speculated for years and years and years, hey, look, if he somehow makes it through this, his his vows are are over. He no longer needs to be on the wall. And I think actually what ended up being what interested me about this episode is Thorne's remark, right? You're going to end up uh, dealing with their, their troubles for forever. And I'm, and I'm through, I don't need to do that anymore. Whatever the actual quote was, I butchered it like Jon Snow, but um, (laughs) you know, it makes him realize that, uh, that he is kind of above now. He's, he's actually not trapped in the way that Thorne is, claiming that he is or trying to antagonize him one final time. Like Thorne's got some balls in doing that, but John then went to do what we all kind of were hoping that he would do and, and gave his, uh, gave his coat to, Props to dollars. Props to Thorne for making yeah. the same choice. I mean, saying he'd yeah. make the same choice again and or he, it, standing what he firm. Said was he, pray, he prays that he would make the same. That was awesome. That yeah. was a great he's death. He's like, I fought, I lost, now I rest. Like, regardless of whether or not we think he's right, Props to him for being loyal to his cause to the very end. It's just strange to see happen. I know lots of characters have gone in and out of the series, but I remember when we first began, you know, Sir Alistair Thorne was was kind of, uh, he was one of the foils from Jon Snow from so early on. And to see him strangled at the end of that rope just truly, 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 truly felt like a shifting of an era in the story and in the TV show. And I know that we've gone through several shifts, uh, shifts that definitely involve the Night's Watch. So those shifts have happened, but I don't, I, I just kind of got nostalgic for a moment. And I thought of, I honestly, Mike, I thought of you and, uh, your sort of incessant quoting of, of Sir Eliza calling him bastard and stuff from back in the early days of our podcast and how it was just kind of a thing. And now that's not going to be a thing anymore. He's gone and John's gone. It's, it, you know what I mean? The Night's Watch is, it's just, it's, it's done. Not, mm-hmm. It doesn't exist anymore in yeah. all seriousness. I mean, Dollar said, Lord Commander, I don't know about that, but I just think that you look around at the group of people that were there mostly were wildlings and to me that suggests that who's going to be there to hold the wall when the others come marching south it's really like you said sort of the shift in the entire story because john is leaving the place that he came to in season one and like who's going to be our our point of view character at the wall now and i almost wonder who isn't going to follow john after seeing exactly. what they just witnessed, who's going to want to stay behind for whatever John has to do next? They, they think watch you're him come God. back to life. I mean, yeah. he, and he needs an army, doesn't he? For whatever he's going to do. Who doesn't need an army? Everyone, right needs, now, an right? army. Everyone needs an army. Yeah. You good men. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know what he's going to do. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he figured it out in the last 10 minutes of the episode, but based on the conversation he had with Davos earlier on, he really just doesn't have a clue as to what it is that he's going to do. How'd you guys feel about him coming back like awake? Cause that was a pretty, I mean, for those of you who are listening that felt it happen in a dance with dragons and have waited since to feel the resolution, Jon Snow was just alive on the other side on screen and spoke some words. Did you watch the behind the scenes part where they, talked about how originally there was more dialogue in those first couple moments Mm. um, but they decided to cut it out because this and i think they made the right choice this dead air almost of john kind of starting to re 
Akame himself and Melisandre's <laughs> face and Davos' face. I, I loved this almost this no dialogue, no music. I thought it was really amazing. It's just weird when you, it's like, okay, let's bring him back to life. This is going to be crazy when it comes back to life. But then that's your friend alive right there. It's like, hold him up. Like he's, you know what I mean? Like he's hurt or get a coat on him. He's, he's cold. freezing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, or should we get I don't a know. coat on him? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> right. Davos thought about it Damn. long and hard. Sorry. I have to say like one of the first things that, you know, John's saying when he's back is I shouldn't be here. Um, is very interesting to me. It's like, what? I mean, first he said, Ollie, put a knife in my heart. Maybe that's why what he meant by I shouldn't be here because I died. But I was just thinking, well, well, wait a minute. Are you, you know, his comments about the afterlife when, when they pried and when they asked and he says, I don't remember anything. I'm just kind of like, there must be more there or, or there isn't. I wonder what the implications for that might be for Melisandre for John saying that he's whether he just saw nothing or he knows nothing or he she um, all but but called him the the new incarnation of Azor Ahai. Now that happened, right? Right, right, right. Stannis was not the prince who was promised, but mm, someone mm, needs to well, be. And someone, I was like, say it. I guess <laughs> it's <you're> John. <laughs> I guess that you're the next best choice here. Oh man! But I wonder what that's going to mean for her. John not thinking that, or or John himself thinking that there's nothing else we see the end of the episode and now my watch has ended and she's like mine too like carrying a bag like halfway packed just running behind him <laughs> yeah and Davos mean, probably he's also. not going anywhere yeah. without Davos and Melisandre so it's like I did really like that Davos Melisandre kind of starts talking about how John's the prince that was promised and kind of almost starts to go into this religious feel and Davos is like hey can you give us a second and gives <laughs> him this like real talk motivating mentor type moment instead of John, like, hey, you don't have to listen to this. Let's talk about the real stuff, which is you go fail again. Yeah, you kind really of got through to John with the go fail again. Great advice. It was more of a sit down father son type of moment, though, that the two of them had. At least that's what I took away from it. Or it was just a very like weird post resurrection taxi cab confessions type of conversation <laughs> between the two of them. Another very successful HBO series. Yeah, exactly. It could be a spinoff with, with the two of them. I'd watch it. Like, I think it was I would the, too. the Entertainment <laughs> Weekly article with Kit Harrington where he talked about being brought back and how it does change John in the sense that he has been to what happens afterwards. And I think that the fact that he has seen that it is nothing is going to be a motivating factor for him moving forward. And it's going to make him not want to go back there because he knows that nothing exists beyond what is happening in this world. And so that has to be scary and motivating at the same time. Motivating to stay alive hold on yeah to stay alive and to hold on to things that are important to you here because it's treasure it, and that's life. it right and fight even harder against the army of the dead right who seek to destroy all life and won't stay dead you know i i have to say it really worried me because i, I know micah you said you thought he would free ollie at the end possibly i i actually thought maybe he wouldn't swing the sword at all I, I, I had a serious thought to me during this episode. What if this new Jon Snow doesn't kill people? What a weird ass thought to think. But <laughs> Why I felt because like, of be course terrible. this Jon Snow is going to kill people. <laughs> but he hesitated. He was like thinking about it. I'm like, you know, this is this is obviously weighing on him. Great. But what if he decides not to kill people because he's been to the afterworld, you know, and he mm -hmm. knows it's nothing. He just it's like pledges his life to peace and goes I, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely people. a possibility. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Thank you for thinking that. Yeah. Like I, I just. I, I didn't I didn't know you don't know and like it's it's all he can do he's almost he doesn't give the code up beforehand he gives the code up after his last act essentially as Lord Commander is is killing those who killed him he's basically just killing them back and then he's but then it takes he doesn't want to be Lord Commander anymore I think everyone who's still alive would have allowed him to continue running things at the wall um, oh, definitely. they'll let him do whatever he wants they have to. Did you see how he looks in that episode? It's like you were just naked on a table, Jon Snow, <laughs> and you came back to life. I like what Dollar said. He he kind of asked the question that we're all thinking, which is, is still that you? still you in there? Is that really you? Yeah. When he are, tells are him a joke, sure? he's like, oh, it is, is it st he's still is it still you? This is just a surreal episode for me, guys. I know that, it, like I said, it wasn't as as uh you know as last week, right? But it, yeah, I mean, let's not. 
let's not diminish what we just saw. Apart from everything else, um, easily at the top of my head, uh, two two big parts of this episode. Uh, young Ned Stark fighting Sir Arthur Dane mm-hmm. with two swords at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone else that was there. And plus, the Tower of Joy was fantastic. I mean, that was just incredibly shot, um, incredibly choreographed. I didn't expect it to be that good, right? That was so good. And also Jon Snow walking around post-mortem uh, talking to people and leaving the Night's Watch. I mean, this episode was crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think that you when you have the level of episodes that the last two were, especially the end of last episode, really the whole episode, to be honest, episode two was unbelievable for a number of different reasons that we talked about last week. But I think that it's hard to live up to that, right? You you brought Jon Snow back and that was the end of the last episode. So there, there's nothing wrong in feeling that maybe this episode was a little bit lower key, but at the same time, you have the moments that you just spoke about and the Tower of Joy and the fact that you had Ned and um, Helen Reed fighting the sword of the morning and I, I tweeted out during the episode that he was just a badass motherfucker like and <laughs> for real there's, there's no way around it i mean he just delivered yeah. in that fight scene <laughs> he's there with two swords battling it out slicing everyone up there was one moment where it was one on four and yep. he was yeah. winning my god it was, it was incredible winning. yeah 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 i mean it was Bren's, so cool to see him in action Targaryen armor Love it. Where's my sister? <laughs> I mean, this is like his beautiful, I mean, just pure, pure fantasy. Give it to me, please. Seriously. Just come on. More well, of that. We've learned so much, or we've heard so much about Sir Arthur Dane and what he's, how incredible he is. And now we right. get to see and it. And when Bran realizes and says to the three of you, he's like, he's a better swordsman than my father. Mm-hmm. Like, oh shit. You know, I, I've heard this story a hundred times, but it didn't, it didn't, didn't turn out that way. It didn't turn out the way he thought it did. He saw how it really turned out and- it, it really reminded me of the the fall of Sir Barristan. I mean, it 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 almost takes a dirty trick. It almost takes somebody that you thought was already dead to come back and stab you in the back because it, it it's not that it's dishonorable. I'll, you know, you could argue with Helen Reed the death blow. What you, what your thoughts are on that? But really, it's the only way to take somebody like him down. I thought that was what I that was what was going through my head when I was watching it. It's like this guy is is unstoppable. He's amazing, but he's There's got no our way Ned could have beat him. He's got our princess, you know, and it's like at least it didn't besmirch Ned's honor to, to have that. He he, I guess he got in a, a, a true killing blow, uh, on on the guy, but but it was all because of I mean Howland. I mean, Matt props to to Howland and to finally see Howland Reed. Yeah, yeah, well, that's something. that's a long time coming. We're going to spend a, an obnoxious amount of time on the Tower of Joy on our next episode, like yeah. sort of diving into Ned's fever dream and uh, feeling out. It's uh, I don't know just emotion and actually seeing it on screen. But for me, just, just, just after having watched it a few minutes ago, um, I'm just kind of just blown away. Like I said, by the choreography and how it was shot and, uh, how dangerous Arthur Dane felt. I don't know if it was necessary to give him two swords because I think that a swordsman, you know, can be dangerous with one sword, but it doesn't matter because he fucking did it. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he did it. So, I mean, who cares what my opinion is? He fucking did it. Arthur Dankin, you willed two swords. Yeah. If it's a fight sequence in Dorne, we have reason to be worried about it. But right. <laughs> this one delivered. Well, I almost had that thought of, well, you know, whatever happens with the actual battle sequence, like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to be upset about it or annoyed about it. All I really care about is, you know, getting to John's parentage, essentially. But I think it absolutely delivered. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Ned Stark looks at Arthur Dane. He goes... I looked for you on the trident. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was pretty badass. Young Ned, the actor, was pretty badass. He was really good. He even had that look in his eye. <laughs> I can't describe it other than that. It's like Sean Bean, little Boromir. This is a little bit all the characters he's ever been mixed in at one time. Goldeneye. 006, yeah, Alec. <laughs> Bran desperately wanted to go back, and it's like we were talking about last episode. He was told no. He keeps begging within the tower. Yeah, I and- would ask what stick is up that old man's ass, but I think we could probably infer <laughs> yeah. from context clues that there just is a, a stick. Fewer just yeah. a, up there. a couple <laughs> he, like, is stick stuck to a root. <laughs> There's actually a root up his ass. So, you know, you could ask the question, but you'd already know the answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you see the reaction, though, from 
one of the children of the forest when Bran was almost pleading with the three-eyed raven, does that mean something for the future that perhaps she may help him out in some capacity? Yeah, I don't, that's a good point. It's time to go. I do think that he's going to go back. Max von Sydow, though. Yeah, this 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 man, K. Max von Sydow, delivered this line this episode. You think I wanted to sit here a thousand years watching the world while the roots grew through me and made it believable. Yeah. Made it believable. I totally mm-hmm. believe yeah. that's where that character was for a thousand years. And he's continuously cautioning him against spending too much time inside these moments for fear of getting lost. Stay too long where you don't belong. That's what happened to Patchface, man. Return. Gonna watch out. <laughs> it is beautiful beneath the sea. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's his favorite song. <laughs> he sounded just like Ned, though. Can we agree? That was just fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I That was my favorite scene from, from this episode by far. And just the insistence on bringing up Liana... She was in the last episode. Her name was in this episode. Her screams were in this episode. And that just means that we're going to get Not more Not to mention the, the previously on. Yeah. I mean, that was that was really well done in terms of setting her up in the backstory with Robert. So uh, I'm very, very eager to get inside of the Tower of Joy and see what awaits us there. I know what the end result is. Do you? You think well, that you know what the end result is? Liana. We know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's what I mean. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't, I'm not eager for that, but what we're going to see once we get inside there, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a pretty big twist. Me too. And I'm kind of worried about it because I think we've all grown so accustomed to R plus L equals J and I'm open to, uh, I'm open to being completely wrong, but it, I think that, and I thought that this wouldn't be the case. I thought, if anything, seeing the Tower of Joy would start to uh, cool off all the anticipation. Mm-hmm. But um, it's done nothing but amplify it. It's getting this close, it's just like, oh my. It's too much. It's too but much. Managed to, to make I mean, that's, that's part of it because as the past is slowly revealed, it, it's like what happened with Ned in that moment where Howland Reed stabs Arthur Dane in the back or in the throat. Does that diminish your perception of Ned at all and the stories that have been told over the years about him? That's a good question, man. I, I, don't I think felt so, different. Though. You felt different. I did. Not that I disrespect Ned, but um, I've I've always sort of considered him. You know, it's easy when you see Sean Bean portraying him on the screen, and he's this man, and uh, he holds his presence, and he has his head up so high, and then you see him walk with his uh, with his men: William Dustin, Mark Risewell, Highland Reed, Ethan Glover, Martin Cassell. And they're marching toward the Tower of Joy. They're in Dorne after all that they've just gone through, right? Right. And we're getting a little bit of narrative, but even block the narrative out that's giving you context. Just see them walk up there. See them so young. And to hear Arthur Dane say, Lord Stark, and to know that this guy is, is the Lord Stark, post-Robert's Rebellion, post-all that's happened, he's so young, he's got the weight of all this on his shoulders. And in that moment, I'm just like, wow. And Ned's even even grander than I thought he was. These men are even braver uh, than I thought they were. And then uh, you see a little bit of reality. It's not that I think less of him, but it's it's very A Song of Ice and Fire um, that Howland Reed did what he did behind Dane's back and Ned didn't heroically slay him because we're all people. It humanizes and, uh, him, yeah. Yeah, it does. And I like that. I think that Ned, especially... Now that we are so far removed from his death, I think that Ned can easily become larger than life, and I think that he even was in the beginning. For a moment there, and and so I think it's cool that he maybe stretched the truth a little bit, or he maybe didn't act a hundred percent honorably in this specific situation. I think it humanizes him, and it, I like it. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you all say that because it, it doesn't diminish Ned for me in any way. I, I think that it's just the way that that story was told over. I mean, take any story and how it's been told over time. And yeah. there's just not a need in that case to really correct it. The only person that could really tell the truth about what happened was Helen Reed. Nobody is going to stand up to Ned and say, Oh, right. Are you, you sure that's how really? it went? Yeah. yeah well, and, exactly. and, 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 nor is Helen going to be <laughs> respected for stabbing him in the back of the throat. So it's right. like, 
it's a kind of a win-win. Helen's like, oh, you can tell them that you can. I, I don't even think it was ever talked about like that. I think that the story just got out. It was bigger. It was it's bigger than the both of them. Essentially, is the the how it did was, the sword yeah. of the morning die? And in reality, I think Ned would have kept fighting and w- would have probably lost. But it, it would have been it was either him or him, and one of the, one of those two guys had to die. Unfortunately, Helen had had some strength left in him to to land that that shot Death that need, needed to happen. I wonder how it's going to affect Bran, and I think we catch a little glimpse of that. But I think that. That's his father, and he's grown up hearing this legend of, and he's so excited to see him. Um, I'm sure. I think it's it maybe. I don't know if we'll see. Oh well, we probably will. But it's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what Bran, how that affects him, or his journey. I don't know. I think know. it's good for Bran, don't you? I mean, I think in theory it's good for Bran, but I don't know if he's going to react like it's good. Do you think that it might weaken his resolve and moving forward, and it might give him sort of a a uh, free pass to do things that are beneath the station or that he knows aren't good because everyone, even the great Ned Stark makes mistakes or, or lesser than their legend. Yeah. Or maybe he's continuing to lose ties to his family or something mm. like that. Interesting. There, there was definitely a reason that he saw it and reacted the way that he did. But will he be redeemed when we do actually go inside of the tower and he gets an understanding for what, his father promised to do for his aunt. Will Ned be redeemed? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, in, in at least in Bran's eyes. And for me, the big question that came out of this scene is what caused Lyanna to scream? You have these two guards that have been, or not guards, but Kingsguard, that have been slain by Ned and his men. Only, we know Rhaegar is dead. We know Robert has won the rebellion. We know the Mad King is dead. So who is inside of that tower with her, if anybody, and what caused her to scream and and ultimately is going to lead to her death? Do you think she was in labor? That's what I thought. Yeah. Man. And you think it's just she dies in child labor? I'm not sure. It was either that or she just saw the end of the Mountain of the Viper episode. I think we all kind of reacted that (laughs) way. Yeah, that reaction to that. She's catching up on the season. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But it, it's just, it's so weird. You, you can almost, I can't buy it when the Three-Eyed Raven says, I want to teach you everything, or you're, you're going to have to learn everything before you're walking out of here. I don't, no one man can know everything, can they? And are you going to teach him by continuing to deny him? Like, I don't understand the method here, except to, to make us wait. I think um, continuing to deny him is a really important lesson for him to learn, though. Because well, it's, like, it's almost good. universal power. You can go to any time, any place, and what we learned this episode possibly affect that time and that place, even though you shouldn't. And by everything, I think, believe he means everything that matters. And whatever Brand's quest is, if you want to call it a quest, and of course we don't necessarily know what it is, but I, th- I think that he's he's being showed something specifically so that he's prepared later on uh, with the training that's ahead of him. I mean, if his story does parallel Arya's, who we saw in Bravos, uh, really leveling up and uh, taking on the wave good. quickly, um, then you know they're both sort of moving into a different echelon of of uh, their training. Arya was good this week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Big time. She was real good. I was so excited when she finally kind of beat the wave and at the end opened and her showed eyes. some real strength. And then she opened her eyes. Yeah. I that she was drank, really awesome. She drank from the fountain. She yeah, drank. That was ballsy. Yep. I thought like, yeah, what better way to just accept, okay, just kill your vessel of a body because your <laughs> face is available. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Did anybody else get really hopeful slash nervous? When she got smacked for saying that she had four brothers. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean she doesn't have four brothers? Yeah. Do half brothers not count? Okay, I guess they don't. <laughs> I thought that was cool, though, how we are we get this call back to her family and her the list that she's going through of all the people that she wanted to kill. And it the all these very Arya things as she is no one, no one, no one. I, I wrote that in my notes. I was like, they're exercising the old Arya out of her, right? Making her go through her list, asking her follow-up questions about, about her life. And I think that's part of the process for her letting it go, right? Is kind of, you can just bury it when there's all these emotions attached to it. Having her talk it out and be like, this was this, this was this way because of that, I think is helping her to genuinely separate the past from what is now her present and when her she future. goes through the list and 
they're like, that's a short list. I can't be everyone to kill. And I was wondering if Arya was going to say, like, you or something. But mm-hmm. Don't they know that she took care of that guy? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, herself. This is why, I mean, they know. That's why she lost her sight to begin with. A lot of our listeners have written in thinking that these mentions of Sandor Clegane are setups for the possibility of the Hound. Right. The Hound coming back for us. Yeah. I think so. I'm into that. There might have been a maester hiding behind that rock. There, there may indeed have been a maester. I want to know with uh, Sir Marin Trent dead, how the hell Maesterell got back to King's Landing? <laughs> that's that's the standout question I have about all of this. But I don't know. The Hound, Arya, like what does it mean? Because she's supposed to be separating her herself from it all. I just it, it it seems like the the slapping with a stick game like they were able to call her out on lies or they were able to sense what was actual truth because those two are different things. What does it mean? I wanted to ask if you noticed how she paused when Arya said Walder Frey. Yeah. Is there some underlying connection there that we don't know about or was it just she was expecting more names to come? There's a few possibilities, but the first thing that came to mind was uh, this person's life in the past may have been connected with the phrase. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking is possible. That would be amazing if that's one of It'd his so uh, cool. offspring and Arya takes her face, goes back to the twins and murders all those motherfuckers. God, that, that would right? be so awesome. cool. It's like, oh, our long lost daughter, you're here. And it's like, ah. <laughs> Which one are cat you? <laughs> you see what the show has done to us that we're thinking I know. in this capacity? <laughs> Okay, but I felt pretty good that when I saw Ollie and Sir Eliza hanging there, I felt bad, guys. Yeah, I, that's totally a screenshotable moment. I can see that on on GIFs oh, uh, on Tumblr. Yeah, I was bummed out, yeah. honestly, when I saw him dead. I don't know. Maybe you know? they'll feed Ollie to Ghost. Hannah, will that make Ooh. you feel better? <laughs> ghost eats <laughs> Ollie 2K16. <laughs> ghost passes Ollie 2K16. We have a lot to look forward to next episode, people. <laughs> I can't. Jeez. Do you feel like she's getting even closer to being no one like she's there maybe about to be like, all right you've made it yeah absolutely i think that she if anything she can fight and now she has her eyesight back so what's left the sequencing of all this was really great compared to the other two episodes where she only got a little bit of screen time fighting with the wave in the streets of bravos i just felt like the way that they did this scene even it, it happened all at once it's not like they cut away and came back later on in the show right. but just the overall sequencing of events for her in this episode i felt like you learned so much more about what she's going through and her lessons and how she was able to come out the other side it feels like her story is finally progressing a little bit i really liked seeing the um what she was doing with the powder and the uh and the bottles like having to pour I assume without spilling, like back before she'd ever say, I like seeing the uniqueness of the tests. Right. Measuring out poisons, figuring out poisons. That's what it felt like. We'd like to take a moment out of this episode of Game of Owns to thank our sponsor, Casper Mattresses. I actually have a Casper mattress, if you're listening and wondering. Does it have just the right bounce? It has just the right bounce, and it's actually supportive memory actually foam. The uh, it's the first mattress, new mattress that I've ever owned in my entire life because oh, I moved nice. around so much, and I feel like I was really treating myself. And uh, for me, it was a billion times easier than going to a furniture store and trying to find a mattress that I like and lay on it in the store and say, this is a good one, and then find a way to fit it inside of my car and bring it to the place that I live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one came in the mail in a box. And I carried the box into my bedroom, and then I opened the box, and then I had a mattress. <laughs> nice. So you can try Casper for 100 <laughs> nights, risk-free, in your own home. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up, they'll refund you for everything. The Casper mattress combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact... It's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. And if you go to www.casper.com slash owns, you get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Big thank you to Casper for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for the comfortable bed that I sleep on. And my dog, too. He likes it. From Bravos to Marine. Takes longer than you think, but not on this podcast. <laughs> that abruptly. <laughs> I was saying we learn more about 
Sons of Harpy. Thanks, Varys. Yeah, so thanks, thanks Varys, for your due diligence. And Tyrion's like, what took you so long? And Varys is like, I just casually figuring out who's murdering everyone in this city. It's fine. So did you, did you guys recognize who was he was speaking to in the throne room at first, uh, the lady? Not immediately, but once he started to talk to her about her um, powers of persuasion, yeah, I got a sense of who she was from last season. And just... I'll just say, like, Varys just, he likes putting on people on boats to Pentos. Like, yeah. that's a solution for everything. Yeah. It really is. But hey, it works, right? What a, what a stunning lesson he showed us this late in the game. After all that has happened, he had, like, of course, these people, especially this woman, uh, after, after what she organized, that eventually led to what happened to Barry. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, we no sympathy. All right. I want her and Arthur Dane to face off against one another. I think that would be fun to watch. That said, uh, he taught us that, um, you know, making people happy, no matter who they are, no matter what they deserve, uh, can, can quickly lead you to your end. That is a good lesson. It's a real good lesson. Um, I wouldn't have remembered her if it wasn't for the previously on, uh, at the beginning of the episode and they, they showed her and, and it was her. But I, I think that ultimately the, the whole, he, he Varys is not threatening her child. That's very specific. But he's like, your child will grow up without you. You know, he's threatening her. I, I think it's for as much as we can um, talk about the specifics. It, they are different, and ultimately, Varys did not strike. Varys is not at all evil in the ways that we imagine the Sons of the Harpy being. Or he he seems to have more of a whole or uh, more of a soul than they do. Um, which is an advantage, I believe, at this point. I mean, ultimately, he th- th- he feels very confident about this this method of his to to get people out of the city. Like, I wonder who he's going to question next. It was just great to see how he operates, and I don't I don't know that we always got the opportunity to see him one on one with somebody in terms of his power of persuasion. That's that's a good point. I did kind of feel like we were looking behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we always saw those interactions that he would have with other members of the small council, particularly Baelish in the early episodes. And to see him one on one flexing his muscle a little bit and utilizing his network of little birds in marine to his advantage mm-hmm. and then meeting his little birds in king's landing too yeah right. that, that was really cool it was a real curtain pulled back it just shows the power that varus has no matter where right. he is marine power king's landing it diminishes so much of the mystery of you know varus we, we were like like this guy is behind it all you know like he's one of the guys that are behind it all part of this the whole song i mean he's 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 a melody maker in the song of ice and fire but, uh, you know, season six, episode three, Varys in a throne room, sack of silver, no bullshit. Yep. The, the trick here is this woman is just very well closely connected uh, to bad people. And he's like, listen, do you want to get out of here with your son with a whole shit ton of money so much <laughs> that you can't even carry? Great. Because I have children here that do my bidding. And also, I, I wrote down in my notes, um, which are very poorly taken on television episodes like this, because if you look away too long, you miss uh, too many exactly. beautiful shots. Um, he was talking, 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 and then there were mention of little birds, and then it immediately cuts to children. And uh, obviously those children were with Kyburn in the next scene, but I thought it was so clever. I was like, oh, they cut to children because his little birds are children. And then it was revealed that these <laughs> children are his little birds. He called like, us oh, in little birds. This is smart. This is really smart. Yeah. Well, it's like the the secret, Varys' secret all this time has just been like pink starburst. Like he's got like a big bowl of pink starburst. And <laughs> it would have worked on it. me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> See, he'll be his little bird too. Mm-hmm. No, you need like Kit Kats or Reese's Pieces like, Reese's eggs. to get Micah. Yeah, it was really cool. And like I said, it's cool to see that he's just smart and powerful and that his tactics work wherever you go. I mean, you just got to play to pe- what people want and then you get what you want. I mean, people are people. Ned Stark is a man after all. Mm-hmm. Jon Snow may come back from the dead, but he's still... You know, just a guy who's in the world so. trying to figure out what he's doing. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that these little birds are now going to be working for Cersei, Jamie, Kyburn, and Sir Gregor Clegane? I wonder if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if all it takes is a couple snacks, maybe. But they did, they were like, when's Varys going to come back? We miss him. And so I wonder, 
I wonder if it's gonna if it's gonna work <laughs> as, as well as I hope it will. Yeah, it's like Varys was, you know, Varys, but he didn't scare kids away with a huge hulking figure of a Kingsguard person. Seriously, right. that's his friend, though. That's, and that's our now friend. Yeah, their friend too. It's like that's I wonder true. if it's this thing about like the Lannisters kind of try to force people to do their bidding out of fear versus Varys having people do his bidding out of for money or to gain a mutual interests mutual yeah, well, interests yeah if you think about how the the throne the uh, small council scene backfired on Jamie and Cersei um how basically they they fought their way to have a seat at that table they fought it but th- they couldn't make everybody stay Sir Kevin Lady Olena Pycelle got up they left Mace you know and and it's like is this going to be sort of on on a much smaller level is it, is it going to be on a larger level what happens in King's Landing now because she as as Lady Olena said to Cersei you're not you're not the queen that was and awesome it was oh it my was, god it was pretty cool <laughs> bam but it's like it's it's ultimately and and not to mention the disappointing talk between I mean it was disappointing to me to watch because it's like the high sparrow talks his way out of like anything for this young boy it's just like the lannisters people are people are pushing them aside people are pushing them around people are pushing them aside and the only card in their hand i mean the little birds i don't know that they'll really pan out the only burden the only card in their hand is is this mountain former mountain franken mountain robert strong whatever you want to call him that's all well, they also- have yeah, their son is the king. Well, their son is the king, but he seems after that conversation with the High Sparrow, he's talked down. He talks. Yeah, he's like, let's let's bring out the good in everybody. He says or something, Look, and, and Tom is just the like, yeah, that sounds Mother's great. Mother's Day sermon. Yeah, what's yeah. a Mother's Day sermon? He's mothering. He's when Tom. But it sat made me down, feel like that's going to give the High Sparrow more leeway over Cersei just because I felt like Tommen was kind of eating it up. Tommen ate it up a lot more than I wished that he would have. Yeah, yeah so. that was a, that was an interesting moment. I thought shit was about to go down that chamber. Tommen showed up like ready to fight. He did. Which was exciting because yeah. he seemed, you know, he's powerful. Yeah. I'm the king after last episode when he let his family down. He's like, not anymore. Let's do this. And then it's like, oh, you know. So she still has to be judged though. But here's, here's, here's what didn't make sense to me is because the High Sparrow is preventing Cersei from seeing her dead daughter. And he then he goes into talking about how the mother's love is, is, is above, is a thing of God's. It comes from the mother herself. Well, the mother's love that she has for Tom and that he wants to hold up on this high pedestal as being, that's awesome. That's the best part of your mom there is. He's simultaneously denying the mother's love that she has to see Marcella. So it didn't he wants work for Tommen, me. He wants Tommen to start convincing Cersei to listen and and whatever yes. she's supposed to do, do that trial. Yeah. Kind of su- submit. There's the not real reason, and then there's the reason that he's just going to say to, you know, put his cause forward. But, like, for example, the High Sparrow quoting a moment that he knows will feel like he has real insight into the truth and how people really work and how Cersei feels. Uh, by saying, you know, when your mother speaks to you, you can see a real difference between her demeanor and everyone else because he understands that Cersei's a pretty hot-tempered, prideful person. And to say that she treats Tommen differently is a rather obvious thing. But to a young kid, he's like, oh, this guy is so wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so right. And someone who, she doesn't does treat have, me someone who doesn't have a lot of father figures in his life. Yeah, exactly. And Eric, your point, I think, is a good one, but it just shows the contradictory nature of religion at times right it's it's whatever argument you want to use that best suits the situation that you're in and that's exactly what the high sparrow is doing so when he's talking to Tommen about cersei he's able to use religion in order to make his case and the same could be said for when he's denying her the opportunity to see marcella it doesn't mean that it's right but i think you know he's a smart man so he's able to use these gods to his advantage the in, in in the way that a lot of religious leaders do in in this day and age and have done for many many centuries so there there's that element to the high sparrow i think that he's definitely a um a smart man and and a and cunning in some ways bold Absolutely. man as jamie would say and uh <laughs> he doesn't yeah. wear shoes I, just, no. I can't ever get over that. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a transition, but we, I forgot about Rickon. So did most people. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I 
just forgot about Rickon again. Can I just say I don't care about Rickon? What? They they fucking kill Shaggy Dog. Like, well, that look, sucks. Yes, that was that was terrible. I'm just not interested in in Ramsey having uh, a, a new person that he can cut pieces off of i'm he not into it lord stark though i mean that's respect whatever micah no he's, <laughs> he's he looked down on him partly because rickon was shorter but no i i don't think this he's just gonna cu- start cutting pieces off and it's gonna be the same rickon is as tall as osha i don't know what you're talking about i think it's time we talk about rickon stark i'm worried i'm worried for rickon uh just knowing ramsey's nature but to be honest i don't really know if i were ramsey if i would trust small john umber it just seemed the interaction the two of them had. I give Small John a lot of credit for standing up the way that he did and, and not bending the knee. And for calling but, him out. Yeah. I thought you were being sarcastic. In a, yeah, don't trust that guy. He <laughs> called him a cunt like three times in that same conversation. And, and Right. And saying, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm not stupid. I know you killed your dad. You yeah. Know, uh, it's, I, who knows? I mean, this could be a larger plan that is uh, sort of taking shape behind the scenes, though. The fact that they kill Shaggy Dog that, bothers me. I hate that so much. But I mean, yeah. that's the way that you're going to prove that he's actually Rickon. Otherwise, yeah. who could it be? But it was it was Ramsey was like, why would I trust someone who doesn't honor tradition? And Umber's like, your father knelt for Lord Stark, so or for Rob Stark, so touche. Yeah, he he was side by side with King of the North, and then he stuck a knife inside of him. So uh, he's like, "While it, it it makes sense for me to make a an alliance with you, because I don't like these uh, wildlings coming down, and you fuckers down south have no idea how cold it can get up there. Like, I'll be your friend, but <laughs> I just want to let you know I think that you suck, your family sucks, and all this shit sucks." <laughs> how sweet would it be? John's marching on Winterfell, and Umber's betray. The Boltons from the inside. I mean, it would be sweet, but did he have to give him both of them and Shaggy Dog's head? Did he have to kill Shaggy Dog, right? So, like, I want it to be true. I want it to be that it's some kind of play, and you need Osha there with Rickon to be able to to play it. But really, he just handed fresh meat to Ramsay, and that that, it'll keep him busy for weeks and months. And I'm not not 100% cool with that. I would say my first thought was, what has Rickon been doing this whole time? (laughs) Multiple reps, Cracking growing up, ones. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since he's been. Yeah, he's been out of the picture for forever. It's good to have them back. That was quite a reveal. I mean, we saw it coming, but it was still awesome. That was cool. And I'm nervous. I thought that Ramsey was going to kill him then and there, in that moment. But you need a Stark at Winterfell, don't you? I guess so. I mean, there's definitely a Stark there now, and he doesn't. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a guy. You know, he's he's looking uh, in a few years. He'll be able to you know stand with uh, the young Ned Stark that we saw. So <laughs> I don't know. It felt it felt pretty cool to me. I, but when I saw that dead direwolf's head, I was pissed off. Like I got actually mad. I was like, "Fuck this!" this the weapon's is, still mm-mm. in it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Not not down for this. Yeah, I hated that. Priorities. I am glad though that. <laughs> They didn't just bring Rickon back to kill him off immediately. So I, I do hope that we get to see oh, that he does something. I think it would be terrible if he just showed up simply for to be. I think he's going to be a pawn, but um, I think it would be terrible <laughs> just to bring. But I mean, to just bring him back immediately. <laughs> that was like the obvious, Ram- most obvious Ram- statement Ramsey's of the century. Like, hey, uh, join my team. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I know what you're trying to it's, say. I, I'm glad that he wasn't killed right away. I hope that he gets to play a little bit bigger of a role than him just being done whatever with by whatever Ramsey's going to do to bring him all the way back. We need to have some form of a Stark reunion soon, right? Because John, while he may be leaving the wall with Sansa headed there. You know, if he'd head to Winterfell, but Rickon's there, like, it has to happen soon, doesn't it? It has to. Well, yeah. I'm still scared Bring that it it's going to be, like, a near miss. Yeah, like, the well, the next on shows them, a, like, the gates parting, and you assume it's at Castle Black, but John is, the episode ended with John it's leaving. It's going to be, so like, it's... a Sansa-Rickon reunion, and Sansa's like, who are you again? <laughs> and it's not going to be satisfying at all. John's back from the dead, so I'm just, the little the little things, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just more broad strokes now. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. Bring it on. That's fair. Like, I want to see, I want to know about the Tower of Joy. I want to understand what Bran's future is. Like, I feel like we're there. I feel like we're getting those broad strokes right now. Rick and Stark just got un- unmasked with a bag over his head, with a burlap sack in this episode. Like, it's moving on a lot faster than I thought it would. And for a follow-up episode to that episode, 
I, I know it's easy to like sleep on those scenes with uh, Varys and the woman. Like, I'm not sure how many people were compelled to see a character we didn't really understand and really recognize in the same Miranese throne room with Varys talking about something that was, you know, interestingly written and witty. But um, it all had a place for me, right? I mean, I just I felt like it all it all made sense and uh, added to the weight of what we're actually seeing in Marine, and that includes the the back and forth with uh, with um, Masande and Grey Worm. Like I know that it wasn't you know it wasn't as compelling as Melisandre over Jon Snow's body after she's just washed him saying something in a strange language, but it was still Game of Thrones, and it's still you know it was Tyrion sort of saying you know the same sort of jokes that he said before in another place, but getting a different response. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like we grew we grew, we grew close. We grew closer to the characters that we are with. Right. It, it, and and it made me remember going all the way back to the very first season, right? With um, Bronn and Shay. And look, Masande and Grey Worm are not going to be the same type of tent companions, right? <laughs> just no. not. You, you can't play I Have Never, you know, with these guys. There's, and there's... they don't drink. Yeah. So not only do they not have the humor, they don't drink. So that's two strikes. He's like, "What kind of stuff do you guys talk about?" He's just like, <laughs> "What I saw when we walked." <laughs> that's what I did see. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. That was but fun. That's report. They're like, mm-hmm. "What's that was the fun. big deal?" I don't see how they do. Yeah, Tyrion's going to uncover that little uh, romance. I'm telling you, he's he's, yeah. he's going to have fun with it too. You know he what else they do? Though. And Micah launches into his fan fiction that he's writing yeah. his free time. Tell us about your fanfic, Micah. <laughs> what please, do you mean fan fiction. I saw her helping him uh, recover after the uh, fight in the alleyway there. And Daenerys being taken to they keep the Dosh clean right front and center by a stoth rack, <laughs> right? You know, all the other huts are very near one another, much like with alleyways, and and, and but the Dosh was right there. Straight in the middle. How are we but feeling? It was beautiful. Yeah. Are you guys are you guys intimidated by these women and their and their sort of subtle no. threat about <laughs> right? No, I'm not. Like is anybody yeah. Drogon's gonna come yeah. swooping in? Danny has dragons, so I'm kind of like cool, like for however long she's gonna hang here, whatever, whatever, and they're all gonna be burned by her dragons or she's gonna be able to hop away and no one's gonna say a single thing because she's more powerful than them. That woman, one of the one of the um, Dosh Kaleen had of the poker, the hot poker with the fire on the end, and I was like, you know, she can try using that, but it's not going to work. And it's just like in general, they're they're trying to intimidate her. They're saying, you know, you've got this. You, you think your fate that is undecided. Your fate, yeah, yeah. And there's going to be some <laughs> kind of counsel, or you're going to have to. You know, I, I just think nope. She'll she'll f their shit up and and leave. In your defense, both Eric and Hannah, and and most of you listening, I'm sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Daenerys felt the exact same way. Right. And oh, I think yeah. That, that's how we were supposed to feel about it. Like, they were, it was very, it was great drama and uh, honestly beautifully portrayed in that hut. But if we weren't there with the Mother of Dragons, maybe we'd feel different. But she was just kind of looking at them like, are you done yet? Can I put my clothes back on? <laughs> and can we just like, <laughs> yeah, sit down? And Jorah and Dario are on the way. I mean, with the dragon and those two studs, what what's there to be worried about? Just just like fifteen million Dothraki. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> but they can't shed blood inside via Dothrak. Oh, right. but Jorah's gonna give them yeah. all grayscale before it's over. Yeah, big <laughs> <laughs> like, going around rubbing everyone. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. <laughs> no, that's headed in an interesting direction. I mean, I think we can all kind of see where that's going. And in a show where there's stuff like the Tower of Joy happening in one scene and, uh, you know, for us, four friends sitting together and talking about it. I mean, there's a reason why it came up this late in the conversation, right? Like, we love Daenerys and we know we know who she is and what she's going to do for Westeros. But, uh, you know, it's just it's just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Right. She's got to go back to go forward, people. Exactly. And <laughs> right? it's, it's not that it's not important, but I think that this isn't obviously like you said it's not in the forefront of our minds and we're going to get more information and her plotline is going to become way more exciting as the season goes on and so i'm fine for this episode to kind of not brush under the rug but it's like here i here's a sentence in my notes about it cool see you next week kind of thing <laughs> that's what you wrote I, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> i like this episode but when john snow said uh, when he said my watch has ended mm-hmm. i knew the episode was over and i was I'm kind of disappointed. Not in the episode, but just I wanted to see more. It was definitely a short episode. I mean, when you get through the five minutes of previews that happened just before Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. which seemed to happen every single week, and I can't blame HBO because why you not? Do what you got to do. 
Yeah. Not you everyone should. is a psycho with us, I guess. Well, no, but I mean, take advantage of the opportunity to promote all your other shows and literally all your other shows in front of Game of Thrones. <laughs> and then, you know, it doesn't always go the full 60 minutes. It actually rarely ever does. So it was just, uh, it was, it was just a nice kind of, I don't know, I want to say quick episode, but it, it just, um, I don't know. It, it was different for me. It, it, there were the moments that, you know, we touched on the Tower of Joy, obviously standing out the scenes with John, both at the beginning and the end of the episode that, um, were, were the highlights and then everything else kind of fell in place alongside it. Well, an episode like this still delivered a delicious handful of owns. They did. I noticed some some of you will will write us uh, a slightly different own. Like you kind of refine your own later on. <laughs> like oh, I like this twist on it better, or maybe a hashtag will be a little bit more humorous. Oh, you could edit tweets, right? It's taken this hour conversation that we've had after what has happened after after watching the episode. It's taken like me to sit sit like all four of us together to kind of come to terms with the fact that I couldn't see all of the Tower of Joy because I was I was pretty upset. Yeah, it's okay. And we'll all wait together, and it'll be great when it happens, right? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah, it will be. I just want to say that um, one of the better tweets that I saw during the show, not after the show, during the show, was uh, Brienne of Tarth, who said, Bran's going to rip a hole in this time-space continuum, and we're all <laughs> going to be completely boned. <laughs> <laughs> That's one side of it. Mm-hmm. The the implications for that are are. are- I, I have to say staggering. I haven't, because it's the proximity to the episode we just saw, I, I haven't even begun to process what it might mean if he can alter or affect time. I, it's, I can't, I can't even, but I do mm-hmm. have a known that I can even, and it's uh, <laughs> Sir Sir Kevin Lannister. Um, and the small council owns Jamie and Cersei. They didn't stay, I, my note, uh, for the whole scene was nobody stayed at their party. <laughs> it's like for all for all of that for all of that effort that went into justifying them being there, um, checking the history books to see if uh, the the head of the Kingsguard can can be at the small council. All that shit. Kevin's just like, nope, we're gonna get up and go, and they left. So well done. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you it, for me it mirrored the uh, Tyrion dragging the chair to the table, you know, scene which happened in that room, and it's like. Tyrion did it so much more deftly and was more successful than they will ever be. Neither of those, <laughs> neither of those guys are Tyrion, and so own to the small council for pushing yeah. back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in that room. Nice. And I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna give the own actually to a number of different people. Pretty much everybody sitting around that table, with the exception of Mace Tyrell. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. For Kevin, <laughs> for Olena, and for Grandmaster Pycelle for oh, saying gosh. all the shit that they did, and then having the balls to get up and walk past the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Particularly Pycelle. Pycelle, he okay. He reacted audibly to the mountain walking into the room. Right? What? That wasn't just yeah. me. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. He did. Okay. <laughs> he, d- he did. Okay. I'm not sure which end it came out of, but there was a high squeak. <laughs> there was a squeak. There was a high squeak. Can you blame him? I mean. No, no, I can't. The mountain's terrifying. Good on Micah. <laughs> uh, Micah, you stole mine. Oh, man. We all own um, the small council for chamber. Yeah, that's us. Well, Sansa wasn't in this episode, so I couldn't give my own to her, uh, which I've yeah. done the last couple of weeks. Um, I do think Too I'm going to give my own to Thorn, though, just because I just thought it was so cool how he went out still sticking to what he believed in. And like I said before, even if we don't agree with him, he is loyal to what he thinks should be the cause of the Night's Watch. And I, I thought that was cool that he stuck up for what he believed in. And now his watch has ended. And now his watch has ended. I'm going to miss that character me and too. that actor. That was a good character. That was a great actor. That was fantastic. Oh, until high five, buddy. Please come on the podcast. Your speech in Watchers on the Wall was amazing. As far as owning is concerned, this is tough. Not going to be easy. Pardon me once to give it to Melisandre for being Melisandre and helping us see Jon Snow rise from the dead. And uh, she was so surprised and stoked. I was just kind of happy for her because that's probably the coolest thing she's ever done in 400 years. So (laughs) high five. I mean... Pretty damn cool thing to, to see. Um, pardon me, wants to give it to Arthur Dane for being such a deliberate badass with his life, and uh, you know, 
<laughs> it's just like that's pretty cool what we saw that was pretty awesome it's gonna take me a while to get over that um then there's Varys. then there's there's kyburn then there's just uh jamie and cersei just kind of walking around with the mountain like that whole thing is awesome but i think the true own in this episode uh truly goes to gilly for learning the difference between c and c and <laughs> learning to read because uh she once thought Sam was a wizard for his abilities to read, and now she just was like this more comfortable, confident Gilly, and I am so happy for Sam that he has someone like that in his life. And uh, I hope that they continue to stay together. I hope that they go to Horn Hill, and she's like, you know what? I'm going with you to Old Town. Screw the rules. Again. So, yeah. Gilly. Nice. Awesome. Nice. She was very cheery. It was very refreshing. Uh, that scene in the book, they're all miserable on that boat, but they managed to shine a bright happy light on on i think at least her <laughs> he was still very violently ill and hopefully we get to meet the entire tarly clan it seems like uh he made reference to his dad but also his mother and his sister and cormac mclagan will make a guest appearance i hear <laughs> <laughs> he's not a his club is meetings. he going to be licking his fingers he won't be confunded if that's what you're asking Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> although the name is suggestive much like his character in harry potter yeah, I think so, I can't I, wait. It rhymes with Rickon. D- Dickon. <laughs> Very good, Eric. It is Dickon, right isn't Dick. it? <laughs> it is. He didn't think of anything else. <laughs> so it could have uh, been Yickin. Li- yeah, Yickin. What is this? Um, Lickin Tarly. Lickin Tarly. <laughs> oh, geez. we we should we should definitely give a. Uh, I, I don't know. If, we've done this a couple times before, maybe, but we should give a, a, an honorary show own preemptively but but you know before our owns episode an honorary show and own, own to ned stark because he's back mm. right seeing yeah seeing i respect ned, that. seeing the character ned stark on an episode of game of thrones again hello that that's yeah. pretty effing cool two weeks in a row oh man so own to season six thank you yeah yeah own to season six for being the best <laughs> hey that's the first time i think we've ever done a show own good idea for that eric that's good i like that well i think <laughs> we can it's like value. squeeze I think it's an extra valuable. one in now it's like yeah okay a show show oh, show <laughs> All right, well, we've given too many owns. I gave like four or five of my one own thing, so... Uh, Can't <laughs> wait to read four million of them next <laughs> yes. episode. Yes. Continue to send those in on uh, Twitter, Facebook. Some people are writing them on Patreon. Some of you are emailing them to us. Some of you are messaging them to us on Facebook. Which don't do that because it's like 15 <laughs> clicks to get to it. It's terrible. Eric doesn't like the messages. We'll tell, we'll tell you right Stick now. To the, the, Facebook, the messages to the Facebook. You know how many messages on Facebook we're going to get if you explain this? <laughs> Eric, you're like, okay, I'm just going to do it right. just to piss them off. All right, all right, all right. I would right. do that. I'm going to start only yeah. talking to you via Facebook Stop. message on Game of Thrones. Well, as has been the case over the last two weeks, there was no difference tonight as you continue to send in your owns. They will pour in, no doubt, until the early morning hours, but feel free to send them to us if you think of another one or two or three. Definitely uh, continue to send them in. We will be on the lookout for them. The satchel is not yet full. The fire is not yet crackling. We could have s'mores again this week. We could have never s'mores. Know. I think we're going to try uh, roasting starboat, Starburst over the fire, though. Mm. We'll have some ones. of those candies that Kyburn was passing out <laughs> that came in like very gratuitous wooden boxes, right, people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a little over the top. He, how creepy was he, though? He's talking to that one kid. He's like, how's your mom doing? Like, <laughs> how's your dad? <laughs> you mm. see... We have a lot more to talk about yeah. on our next episode. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the title of this episode, which we speculated about way uh, oh, on, like, the week before the season. We're like, oh, it's about Jamie. Oh, it's about Brienne. No, not really. Nope. It's about John. Kind it's of. tough. All right, it's hard to do this. Yeah, good job, Just team. Record right after the show's over, but we'll be even better on the next episode. Sounds like a plan to me. Kyburn's Candy Corner, all spelled with Q's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you should start a Facebook page called Kyburn's Candy, Candy Corner. Corner and see who that joins is it. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. In addition to sending us your owns on Twitter, Facebook, email, Patreon, watchers, you can also leave us your feedback on iTunes. It is the month of May, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable when you leave us a rating and review. And uh, this time of year, it's just really important, um, as it is during any time of the year, actually, uh, <laughs> to uh, let other people know that we exist. The season is in full swing. We're three episodes in, and um, we always like hearing from new listeners. Also, you could tell your, your friends. Spread the word. Spread the word. Spread the hype. Yeah, please spread the word about our podcast. 
because there's only four of us. We need more of you to, but it's hard, you know, to organize a huge group of people. So and we'll we're just the only the friends podcast. each other has. So yeah, really <laughs> you guys can listen to it. it. <laughs> so rewatch episode three three more times and report back in on our next episode. <laughs> Visit Kyburn's Candy Corner. Candy Corner. To Little John for is it Little John or Small John? One of my I'm well, Robin Hood, which story you're reading? Robin Hood and John. <laughs> so I should say Small John. Small John. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I like it either way. They call me Little John. Um, <laughs> Do they? Yeah. Don't let uh, my name fool you. In real life, I'm very big. <laughs>